بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد کریم اما بعد الحمد للہ tonight is the 22nd of november in the year 2023 and alhamdulillah we moved on to the 20th night that we're going through the illustrious and blessed life of the eminent companion sayyidina abu huraira radiyallahu and i spent the session last night in which i mentioned the various reports in which the blessed cloak of either the Prophet or Abu Huraira and his shirt were wrapped around his blessed body and then he himself testified that he never forgot anything. So this miraculous transmission of knowledge is called faith. So there's a famous work, it's called Faydul Bari. And it's written by Sheikh Anwar Shah Kashmiri, Rahmatullah And it's a commentary of Bukhari Sharif. So the famous commentary of Bukhari is Fat al-Bari by Hafiz ibn Hajar Askalani. But Sheikh Anwar Shah Kashmiri, he entitled his commentary Faid al-Bari. So this phrase means to pass on knowledge miraculously or by touch. So... Recently, we went through the blessed life of Sayyidah Khatija radiyallahu And I mentioned during that biography that on the night that our beloved messenger received the divine revelation, he was uh, hugged, for want of a better word, by our beloved uh, angel, the archangel Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam. So, here again, this is what's referred to as faith. So Shaykh al-Ahadith, Mawlana Muhammad Idris Gandahlubi rahmatullahi in his Seerat al-Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, volume 1, page 1679 of the English translation, he clarified, Jibreel Amin alayhi salatu wa salam, he embraced Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam three times in order to transmit his angelic and spiritual qualities into him. The aim was to make Jibreel spiritualism and angelic attributes dominate the human nature of Rasulullah so that his blessed heart would be able to bear the holy verses, the unseen mysteries and the divine knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to also ensure that his blessed being will be able to act as a medium between the Creator and the creation, and to ensure that He is the ultimate in the realm of the visible and a manifestation of the realm of the unseen. So, stop in the quote. So, the Shaykh is mentioning why he was hugged by Jibreel and he was to pass on something from his blessed being to the Prophet. And he mentioned some of the reasons. Then he said, Conveyance of faith, i.e. spiritual wisdom in this manner, is successfully established from the traditions of the Arifin, i.e. the saints. Then he quotes a hadith in Sayyid Bukhari. Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, Once Rasulullah hugged me to his chest 
and made the following dua O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him knowledge of the book then he commented Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam hugging Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhu to his chest was exactly the same as Jibril alayhi salatu wasallam embracing Rasulullah and hugging him so if you look at this stop in the court Rasulullah could have made a dua he could have said oh my lord grant my cousin knowledge of the book what was the purpose of hugging him So the scholars point out this was the passing on. And then the Sheikh mentioned the report of Abu Hurairah which I mentioned yesterday uh, with regards to the cloak. Then he said Hafiz ibn Hajar Asghalani rahmatullah he wrote in his Fath al-Bari volume 1 page 192 not a single hadith explicitly mentions what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam emptied out from his hands. onto the sheet of Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu however this humble servant entertains a personal opinion on this if this opinion is correct it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if it is incorrect it is from shaitan and myself so here something again the quote Hafiz ibn Hajar Asghalani rahmatullahi he said I have not come across a hadith which mentions what the prophet was pouring into the cloak So this is very interesting. So you have to get up very early in the day to find a report that Ibn Hajjid could not find. He couldn't find it. So he goes, therefore, I have an opinion. And he said exactly what Abdullah Ibn Masood said. When somebody asked him about inheritance. He goes, if I'm correct, it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If it is incorrect, it's from shaitan and me. So Ibn Hajjid said the same. Because this is my opinion. Then he said, I imagine... that in the alam al-ghayb the realm of the unseen there exists a treasure of memory rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam dost perhaps extracted two handfuls of memory from this treasure and then poured it onto the cloak of abu hurairah radiyallahu this memory was then transferred to the heart of abu hurairah via the medium of the sheet Although memory in this world of the visible is an intangible thing but from the telescopic eyes of the confidence of the realm of the unseen such matters are not concealed indeed they are able to perceive such apparently intangible things only those who are ignorant of the perceptive senses of the prophets alayhi salatu wasalam dare reject such phenomena So what did the great Hafiz ibn Hajar say? He goes, my humble opinion is that there's things beyond the eyes of normal mortals and there's a treasure of memory. So what's the problem with this? The problem is memory is not tangible. It's not like money, dirhams, dinars. What's memory? So he said, he explained, he goes, many things are not tangible to human beings. And he goes, this is the realm of the unseen. But Rasulullah could see it. So he took handfuls of that memory, which was tangible to him, and he placed it into the cloak of Abu Hurairah. And Abu Hurairah then wrapped it around himself and he passed on to him. And then he said, only the ignorant, who are ignorant of Rasulullah's senses, or the Prophet's senses, dare reject this phenomenon. But of course, he goes, Allah Ta'ala knows best. So this is one commentary. with regards to what was happening with the blessed cloak. Another, 
شیخ الحدیث مولانا محمد ادریس کانڈہ لبی رحمۃ اللہ علیہ ان سیرت المصطفیٰ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ولیم ون پیج ون سکس نائن آف دا انگلش ٹرانسلیشن ہی کلاریفائی علامتی بھی رحمۃ اللہ علیہ ہی رائٹس ان از کامنٹری آف مشکات دا اوپننگ ورسز آف سورت اقلا ریویلڈ اپن رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم پرووائڈ سم سولوشن ٹو دا ریزرویشنس ہی صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ہیلتھ ون ہی اوٹڈ ما انا بقال آئی آئی کین ناٹ او ول ناٹ ریڈ دیز ورسز ریویلڈ ٹو ہم صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم دیٹ آل دو یو آر ان لیٹڈ وڈ ریسائڈ ود دا اسسٹنس آف دا نیم آف یور لوڈ ایوری تھنگ ایلس ول دین فالو اینڈ بیکم ایزی فیو then the shaykh said bear in mind that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes bestows knowledge through the medium of books and pens this in technical terms is referred to as ilmi kitabi knowledge acquired through books and he said verse 4 of surah alaq highlights this and he recited allavi allama bil qalam he taught by means of the pen He goes, this is in reference to this type of knowledge. The Shaykh then said, however, sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestows knowledge directly without any apparently tangible medium. This in technical terms is referred to as ilmi ladunni, divinely inspired knowledge. And he said, verse 5 of Surah Alaq highlights this. عَلَّمَ الْإِنسَانَ مَا لَمْ يَعْلَمْ He taught man what he knew not. This is in reference to this type of knowledge. So this is the quote. So breaking it down, what was the Shaykh saying? The Shaykh is highlighting that Rasulullah was hooked three times, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and eventually five verses were revealed. So this is important. The entire surah wasn't revealed. Surah Al-Alaq. It was the first five verses. So this is the very first night of the divine revelation. So what... do two of those five verses talk about verse 4 talks about knowledge by the pen alladhi allama bil qalam he subhanahu wa ta'ala taught by means of the pen so look how important knowledge is very, the very first night of revelation allah ta'ala is talking about knowledge in the first five verses and what does he talk about first knowledge with the pen So he's talking about books and writing. But then the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about a different type of knowledge. The one that he gives without any apparent, you know, you can't see it, it's just inspired. <laughs> he taught man what he knew not. So why is this very significant? Because this is the very first night of revelation. So if somebody says to you, what was the most important thing that the Lord of the worlds, subhanahu wa ta'ala, wanted to highlight to the jinn and humanity after a 600 or year so break? And you can simply say, he was highlighting the importance of knowledge. Iqra, recite or read in the name of your Lord, the first verse. Verse 4, he taught by means of the pen. Verse 5, He taught man what he knew not. Mm. And also it highlights that these forms of knowledge have immensity. Mm. 
And which one is clearly mentioned in the last of the five verses? Ilmul Faid, which is passed on miraculously. So again, if a person starts using logic, he goes, this is, where did he get this from? It's all about pens and books. And the reason they're taught like that is because they don't understand there's different ways that you can acquire knowledge. And look how much of a slap in the face it is in reality. He goes, oh brother, what happened on the first night of Revelation? And they go, what happened? Five verses were revealed. What were the five verses? And then he'll might Ra'lama, and he goes, what's the last of the five verses that was revealed? He taught man what he knew not. What's that in reference to? And that's talking about this knowledge. Right? So again, something that we need to you know, be very careful about, not rejecting you know, out of ignorance. Hafiz Zahabi, he simply put it, Rahmatullah, Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu's penetrating memory was in fact one of Rasulullah's miracles. This is recorded by Hafiz Zahabi in his Siyad, volume 2, page 294. So think about that. Has any Muslim ever denied the miracles of Rasulullah? Unless there's something seriously wrong. So for example, you say, did Rasulullah with the permission of Allah split the moon? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mentioned in the Quran and it's mentioned explicitly in the Hadith in Bukhari and Muslim. Who rejects that? So for you to reject Abu Huraira's knowledge of Hadith is just as bad as you rejecting a miracle of Rasulullah. So a person goes, how is that then? Because Hafiz Zahabi said his memory was Rasulullah's miracle. You understand? So when a person starts to use logic, well, how did he know all this and how did he know all that in such a short period of time, which we'll discuss, you say, it's a miracle. You don't start rationalizing miracles. You know, it's like somebody saying, well, give me the science behind the splitting of the moon. What a nonsensical question. A miracle is something that's beyond your knowledge. So again, this is also what Hafiz Zahabi said about the knowledge of Abu Huraira. So subhanAllah, such was the impact of Rasulullah's du'a and the faith, as related by Hafiz Zahabi in his Siyah 2-632, that Sayyidina Abu Huraira transmitted a staggering 5,374 hadith, more than twice as many as any other company. So how many hadith did he narrate? 5,374. Who is the next? The next Sahaba or Sahabi tra- transmits less than half of what he transmitted. So he's head and shoulders above the next person. Hafiz Zahabi went on to further clarify. Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu related 326 ahadith which are recorded in Bukhari and Muslim. 93 in Bukhari alone and 98 in Muslim alone. This is recorded by Hafiz Zahabi in his Seer, volume 2, page 62. So you can work on something here. How many hadith did he narrate altogether? Over 5,000. Why is there only 326 hadith recorded in Bukhari and Muslim? Mm. So straight away you realize they have a very high bar in accepting hadith. <laughs> so even though we don't know what their formula was, you think the very fact that only 326 of over 5,000 hadith are recorded in Bukhari and Muslim shows the status of Bukhari and Muslim. But Hafiz Zahabi added, Bukhari alone records 98 hadith. So you find single hadith of Bukhari from Abu Huraira, 98. 
93 sorry, in Bukhari and 98 in Muslim alone. Mm-hmm. So now there's a report. And this report needs to be clarified because people have got confused over this. Mm-hmm. Abu Huraira, he said, radiyallahu, مَا مِنْ أَصْحَابِ النَّبِيِّ صلى الله عليه وسلم أَحَدًا أَكْثَرَ حَدِيثًا عَنْهُ مِنِّي إِلَّا مَا قَانَ مِنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ عَمْرِ There is no one amongst the companions of the Prophet وسلم, who narrated more a hadith than I except Abdullah ibn Amr فَإِنَّهُ قَانَ يَكْتُبُ وَلَا أَكْتُبُ for indeed he used to write them, he used to record them. I, I initially did not. Mm-hmm. So where this recorded? This is, this is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 113 in the chapter on knowledge. Then Madi, number 2677, 3867, Hassan Sayyid. Ahmad in his Muslim, number 7393. So doesn't this contradict what I've just said? Mm-hmm. Abu Huraira himself, his own words, Nobody narrated more hadith than myself except Abdullah ibn Amr. Mm. But didn't Hafiz Zahbi say but the most prolific narrator is Abu Huraira? So did he not know this hadith? He didn't know this hadith. <laughs> what did Abu Huraira say? Complete the report. Abdullah ibn Amr used to write them. I initially did not. So he actually used to write the hadith of Rasulullah. Abu Huraira just memory. Those in terms of documenting a hadith, Abdullah ibn Amr excelled, but in relating, it was no other than Abu Huraira. Look how simple the clarification. You haven't got commentary of hadith, you want to go down the garden's path. So you go, what did Hafiz Abi say? Abu Huraira is narrated twice, twice, more than the next most prolific narrator. He goes, no, he didn't. He goes, why? Because Abu Huraira said, Ibn Amun narrated more than me. And then you say, then what did he say? And he goes, well, I say, you quote half a hadith. He goes, he documented them. I didn't. So he's highlighting his documentation. Another factor to be kept in mind, was that later Abdullah ibn Amr migrated to Egypt whilst Abu Huraira had remained in Al-Madinah. Thus naturally, more people heard from Abu Huraira than Abdullah ibn Amr. So again, we're going to go through his life sometime inshallah. Abdullah ibn Amr, he eventually settled in Egypt. Egypt was the fringe of the Islamic world. Abu Huraira never left Medina. So when people were learning or students of knowledge, where was the first port of call? Egypt or Al-Madina. So they came to Al-Madina. So because more students came to Al-Madina, who are they going to narrate from? Abu Huraira. So this is another way to explain it. That's why his name is mentioned all the time. But Ibn Amr, he moved to Egypt. So there's no contradiction. I wanted to mention that report here. But, this is also very important, it appears that later during his blessed life, Abu Huraira had finally decided to write down the hadith. Initially he didn't. So how do we know? Hafiz ibn Abd al-Bar in his Jami Biyan al-Ilm and Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani in Fat al-Bari. 
Hassan ibn Amr, rahmatullah alayhi, said, I narrated a hadith in front of Sayyidina Abu Hurairah and he initially rejected it. I thereupon said in surprise, but I heard this hadith from you. So he responded, if you heard this hadith from me, then I must have written it down. He then took me by my hand, led me to his room. He thereupon showed me a library of books that were is a hadith from Rasulullah He then found the hadith that I had narrated in one of his collections. Sayyidina Abu Huraira thereupon said to me with a smile, Did I not inform you that if I narrated any hadith to you, I must have written it down? So what happened? A tabi'een narrated the hadith. So he's going through Abu Huraira, maybe recalling the hadith. And Abu Huraira, he was testing him. He goes, where did you, Nabi said, where did you get that hadith from? <laughs> so the tabi'een goes, I got it from you. <laughs> In other words, he goes, it wasn't from anyone, it was from you. So Abu Huraira, he said, if it is from me, it will be written down. So the tabi'een thought, so he, he took me by my hand went into one of his rooms and he's just full of books. He goes, a library of books. And all it were, all they were were the hadith of Rasulullah. And then he found the report. He goes, didn't I tell you? <laughs> if I narrate any hadith to you, I must have written it down. So what does that prove? Later on in his life, he wrote the hadith. Thus from this, we can gauge why Abu Huraira had decided to document all the hadith from his phenomenal memory, namely, it was simply his fear that when his age advanced, his laser-sharp memory may begin to decline. Thus, most wisely, he documented all of the blessed ahadith. Like we say in today's day and age, a backup. Because I need a backup. So is that sunnah? Yes. Abu Huraira So now, that also proves that he was literate. You know, he wasn't just, you know, using his memory because he couldn't read or write. He could write. But later on, because he lived a long life, he decided to write it as a backup. And of course, but if you look at the report, it doesn't indicate that he didn't know the hadith. You get the impression he's testing that tabi. Or maybe he wanted to show him the collection. You understand? So when he said, who narrated this hadith? Because you narrated it. Then he took him. And then we don't know who looked for the hadith. But it looks like Abu Huraira and he goes, yes, he didn't I tell you, it's written. Subhanallah. Obey ibn Qa'ab, he said of Abu Huraira, something very interesting. Abu Huraira radiyallahu narrated the highest number of ahadith because he often put questions to Rasulullah which the others did not dare to ask. Subhanallah. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad, number 21,261, Ali Isab, volume 7, page 202, or page 762 of the New English Translation, Tazkiratul Hufaz, volume 1, page 34, Ma'rifal Ahadith, volume 4, page 563 of the New English Translation. Abu Huraira narrates the most hadith. Then he gave a reason. Because he would ask questions others dared not ask. 
So what was he highlighting about Abu Huraira? He goes, he wasn't like us. He goes, we, we had too much awe of the Prophet With Abu Huraira, he goes, like he had a special relationship with the Prophet And because he was always asking, for example, what's this, Ya Rasulullah? What's this? What's this? Because he was always asking, he ended up narrating the most ahadith. So this is another reason. But at the same time, look how beautiful Obey ibn Qa'ab was given the impression that he is like a junior sahab, but he was also a very serious sahab. So not the sahab who don't you know, blow their own trumpet. They just give the praise to whoever is deserving of the praise. And this is an incredible praise of Abu Ghraib. People love to have him around the Prophet. Why? Because he would ask questions. You know, a few nights prior, look at the questions he asked. He said, Ya Rasulullah, tell me about everything. Did not mention that before? Which Sahab asked that question? Tell me about everything. And the Prophet said everything is made from water. Then he goes, tell me about paradise. So he just liked to ask questions and the Prophet would answer. And because of that, he's accumulating hadiths. Indeed, he was so much hungry for knowledge that all the bounties of the world were meaningless to him as compared to learning. It is related. The Prophet once offered him anything he liked from spoils. He goes, take what you want, O Abu Huraira. Abu Huraira said, Ya Rasulullah, let me have what Allah the Almighty has given you of knowledge. Because that's what I want. This is in Al-Isaba, volume 7, page 204. Ma'rifur Ahadith, volume 4, page 560 of the New English Translation. So think about that. If somebody says to you, 100 grand, take it. And you go, I don't want it. I want something else. Because what do you want? 200 grand. <laughs> Which one would say, I want your knowledge? How highly did he value knowledge? How highly do we value it? Be honest, you know, I'm saying it as if I'm going to take the knowledge. 100 grand, suitcase opens next minute, ya Allah, toba later, right? But there you go. He, and who's offering the spoils? Imagine. If any Amir offered you spoils, his halal. Rasulullah's offering, he goes, take, and then he didn't say, take this, he goes, take what you want, what do you want? So he could have said, I want to take the law. He goes, Ya Rasulullah, let me have from what Allah the Almighty has given you of knowledge. That's all I want. So he was eager. What did I mention yesterday? Talibul ilm. We're not Talibul ilm, we think we are. We're Talibul dunya, through and through. We got a glimpse of Talibul ilm. The people like that, they're very few and far in between. So he knows something. Think about that. He knows something. We don't. He's valuing knowledge. And think about this. How many people are narrating his name now at this very moment I'm speaking throughout the world? How is Allah Ta'ala honored him? And where are the kings and the queens now? Getting roasted, isn't it? Right? If they were Muslims. So who really was the intelligent one? He acquired the legacy of the Prophet. We don't leave behind dinars and dirhams. We leave behind knowledge. Whoever acquires it, acquires a great good, Rasulullah said. So what is the legacy of the Prophet? So imagine people are dying for the ball of the Prophet, the hair of the Prophet. MashaAllah. What about the legacy? What's the legacy? It's not really the ball and the hair. It's knowledge. He said it. That's what you're supposed to be dying for. Which people have the same yearning for that? Astaghfirullah. But Abu Huraira was a real mu'mineen of hadith because he wanted that. And Allah blessed him with it. You know, subhanAllah. So all I mentioned today, again, was talking about his acquisition of the sacred knowledge 
I mentioned a little bit about faith and the reason being because it sounds very strange to many people. How can knowledge be passed on without ink, pens and paper? And the response is, you're living to a materialistic life. There's many other ways you can acquire knowledge as well. And I mentioned the proofs which are in the Quran and the Sunnah. And then I mentioned, of course, the importance of that. that it was the very first five verses that Allah talked about this. And then I mentioned that Rasulullah's miracle was Abu Huraira's memory. And I mentioned how many hadith he narrated and a few other things in this regard. Are there any questions? Let us ask. Subhanallah bihamdi subhanakallahumma bihamdika ashtu la ilaha illa anta astaghfirika atubu alayka atubu alayhi minash shaitanjim subhanahu rabbi wa rabbi izzati amma yisifun assalamu alayhi wa mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen bismillah alaykumar rahim wal asr in the sound of the few khusr ladhina amilu wa amilu salihat wa asbil haq wa asbil salihat 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 wa